Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. To commemorate the 150th anniversary of the Civil War, the state of North Carolina did a very good thing. It commissioned an atlas that would use maps, charts, images, and words to tell a wide-ranging story of the state's wartime experience, including North Carolinians outside of the state, the home front, military action within North Carolina, politics, economics, emancipation, peace, and the long story of the war's memory stretching down to the present. The Old North State at War, the North Carolina Civil War Atlas, is a remarkable work, and Michael Hill was a member of the remarkable team that created it. We'll talk with him tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the Civil War Talk Radio Medical Annex, uh, which is my home on Oxford Street, Oxford Road in uh, 
Greenville, North Carolina, not coming to you from ECU because I could not stay in the office all day long. I've got the bug. I don't think it's the flu. I had the flu shot, but fever, congestion, headache. Uh, my voice is, is a good bit deeper tonight. I could perform different parts if I could carry a tune accurately, uh, different parts than I normally would sing. Uh, but we will carry on. The, the bug has slowed me down but not stopped me. Still planning on teaching tomorrow and carrying out our show this evening. I may have to test the uh, the mute button on the microphone. I've never really used it, but uh, if I start coughing wildly, I'll, I'll give it a test. Or alternatively, uh, once we get our, our guest Michael Hill on the show, I may simply ask him a leading question and say, Mike, uh, tell us for 45 minutes what you think about that and let him carry the ball. <clears throat> uh, this morning, however, I did managed to do some useful labor for the state of North Carolina at East Carolina University by driving to the neighboring town of Farmville, uh, not too far from Greenville. Uh, for some reason, Farmville has apparently made no attempt to capitalize on the social media game of the same name. I don't, I don't see anything there where they're trying to uh, play off that. It, it's just Farmville. Uh, but the reason I went there was that East Carolina has a history course that was designed by my late colleague, uh, John Tilley, where the students are assigned to create a history exhibit for a local museum. And they do the whole thing from conception to fabrication, promotion, everything. This semester, uh, I'm teaching it for the first time, and we are working with the, the historic house museum in Farmville called the May Museum. The subject is, and this is off topic, I know for, for Civil War Talk Radio, is a Second World War aviator from that area uh, who was lost in action flying an F-6F Hellcat fighter off of Saipan in 1944. Our local congressman has uh, ordered the medals that the, uh, that the pilot had earned, and we will use them as the centerpiece of the exhibit. But I got to go out there today and talk with some uh, some people in the area who are familiar with the museum and uh, had some ideas about newspapers and other uh, sources going back to 1944. And they just it was just wonderful working with the community. They had all kinds of ideas and enthusiasm for this. The one thing we don't have for the exhibit, uh, I will say, is, is a lot of artifacts. So if you listening to Civil War Talk Radio are also a Second World War collector and have anything related to the Civil War in, there I go, uh, Second World War in North Carolina or in the Pacific. Uh, for example, if you have a beautiful handcrafted model of an F-6F fighter that is just gathering dust on your shelves and you'd love to have it displayed in a museum, uh, send me an email and we'll, we'll find a way to put your airplane or your artifacts in the museum. It's a long shot, but I thought I would ask you. Not a long shot is the bet that we will have excellent shows coming up in the next few weeks. Looking ahead, next week, John Matsui will be a first-time visitor to the show. He has written a book about John Pope's Army of Virginia and its political nature. The book is called The First Republican Army. On the 14th of February, 2018, as we go forward in the the year Dan Crofts returns to the show with his book about the, the other 13th Amendment, Lincoln and the Politics of Slavery, the other 13th Amendment, and the struggle to save the Union. Then we've got Paula Whitaker with her 
description of the life of Julia Wilbur, uh, subtitled Julia Wilbur's Struggle for Purpose. We'll learn, we'll learn who is Julia Wilbur when we talk with her on the 21st. Eric Lee Smith comes here the following week. He's the designer of a landmark uh, board game on the Civil War called simply The Civil War and is currently designing some new games both for uh, tabletop play and for computer play dealing with the war. So we'll talk to him about that. And after a break, for a spring break, we'll have uh, Matt Borowick return to give an update on what Civil War roundtables are doing. And uh, March 21, Michael Fitzgerald is the author of Reconstruction in Alabama, From Civil War to Redemption in the Cotton South. And we'll find out about the end of the war in Alabama and a little bit about the post-war. So lots of things coming up. Check out, as always, impedimentsofwar.org. Mark Gaffney is in charge there, makes everything look good, collects uh, a few pennies if you click on the book titles there, use it to buy the books. Tonight's book is a, a bargain. Uh, and you can also donate funds to Civil War Talk Radio. The uh, the other day, just out of curiosity or greed, I looked up, uh, how do people monetize podcasts? I've, I've had people ask me that over the years. Well, you know, you've got thousands of listeners. What do you do with that? And I said, well, I, I read Civil War books. That's what I do, and I talk about them. And the uh, the advice confirmed what I thought. If, if you want to have commercials and advertisers and sponsors and make a whole deal out of it, uh, it it becomes another job and uh, loses its uh, its savor. So uh, the occasional donation that you send, or even the occasional cheering email, is is ample uh, recompense for putting together this show as is the opportunity to talk to people like our guest tonight, Michael Hill, who uh, works for the state of North Carolina in uh, various public history guises. In fact, that's the first question I'll ask him because I haven't talked to Mike in a little while uh, about his day job. Uh, Mike, are you there? And uh, Sorry you're not feeling well. I'm Hale and Hardy. I feel fine. I uh, thought I might begin, but I'm happy to do most of the talking. I've been to Farmville. Uh, my, my primary work in the 38 years I've worked with the state has been with the State Highway Historical Marker Program, and I thought I'd mention our one and only marker in Farmville. Went up about five years ago, and I dealt with some of the same people you have recently dealt with at the May Museum. Uh, Congressman Walter Jones, who you made reference mm-hmm. to, was the speaker right. that day. And the and subject getting... of the marker is a general, uh, a local military hero, World War II, named General Division. Alan L. Turnage. Yes, Turnage. I, I was, uh, I was, he was shown not a, He was not a um, crash. He, he lived <laughs> until 1971, so I don't think it's the same fo- person no. who's being focused on in this exhibit. But it was a fine event. Uh, a friend of mine named Jack Lewis is a native, lives in Raleigh. We're both in the Raleigh History Club, but he's an... He's very proud of Farmville, and he helped organize the program that day. It was a typical marker program. Bright, sunny day, about 50 people gathered for a, a, a program. We had military music, and mm-hmm. it was quite memorable. And it's one of only about 500 of those I've attended over the years. I've worked with the state, which is wow. a long time, 38 years. 
Well, I, I let me uh, tell you, the marker is doing fine. I saw it this morning uh, because uh, uh, Michael Cable, who owns local antique store and is on the board of the museum, made sure that I saw it and, and told me a little bit yes. about it. And, and there's uh, a uh, and steakhouse it, in Farmville where we all yeah. went after the program, and I expect you've been entertained at the steakhouse. You know, I've I never it's called been the there. Plank, the Plank Road Plank. Steakhouse. It is. This is a free plug for the Plank Road Steakhouse in Farmville, yeah. North Carolina. Farmville uh, is about 10, 10 miles it. from uh, ECU, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I know it well. Uh, well in, it, in recent years, our agency's undergone some uh, a few changes. We're still a large mm-hmm. and uh, agent, historical agency. In fact, we believe we're the largest of the nation's state historical mm-hmm. agencies, uh, and we have many programs. But our publications unit uh, was downsized by the legislature in 2013, and what remained, mm-hmm. what formerly was a 15-person office, is now a six-person office, and okay. it falls to me to administer that office. We're now very selective in what we publish. Mm-hmm. We can only do so much with our resources. We still do the North Carolina Historical Review. I serve as its editor-in-chief, but the bulk of the work is done by my colleague, Ann Miller, uh, but we publish a few books each year, and the first one, when I took the reins, was the Civil War Atlas, and uh, we uh, had been at work on that for quite some time. I, uh, I'm one of the three co-authors, but the principal author is uh, Mark Anderson Moore, Mark Moore, mm-hmm. whose idea it was, and we played upon his strengths, both as a map maker and as a historian. Uh, Mark had previously published books with Savas, well-known West mm-hmm. Coast military publisher, and um, books uh, dealing with uh, some of the principal events in North Carolina, Fort Fisher and Bentonville. Uh, but with this book, we wanted this under our own imprint, and we succeeded in doing that. But it was a long time. It's an it's a ambitious book, and it was the product of Ten years of work. Well, it, it shows that. It, it does show the ambition. It, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not a narrow military focus. It's it's really a wide-ranging uh, uh, piece of work. Did did politics interfere at any point when you were putting this together? Because everyone has an opinion on the Civil War, including legislators. No. No, it did not. There, there no... No, there's nothing uh, political. The the agency uh, uh, or a choice was made by the legislature to downsize uh, our publications unit in 2013 and publications units in other branches of state government, such as the Secretary of State's office and uh, the uh, uh, Department of Natural Resor- uh, Natural Resources. So um, they. The legislature did cut back some jobs. That is, where there were some rifts, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, Mark, the the map maker, was among those rifts. But mm-hmm. he, we were able to use his talents and his uh, skills to complete the work before we stretched out his term with some um, um, uh, contractual work to mm-hmm. finish the work. Actually, uh, putting the work the book out to bid. And uh, and distributing it was its own challenge, and I can get into that. But it's a uh, it's a it's a large book. You've seen it. It's seventeen. I've, I've got it right here. Inch. 
That's a that's a large format book, and when we bid it, and that was Mark's choice. Mark, mm-hmm. and I'll give much of the credit for the book to Mark. It was his conception. He wanted to see us do a book, an atlas of the war. Uh, he he pressed hard for a large format that is eleven by seventeen, believing that it would play to the advantage of his maps. Uh, the the detail and the the maps are very detailed based on GIS technology. Uh, so we initially approached uh, UNC Press about it. They wanted a smaller format. Mark preferred a larger format. We backed Mark up on that, but we had to look hard for a printer. We put it under our own imprint, but mm-hmm. with the printer, we bid it three times and had no U.S. printers. Uh, we didn't think we wanted to print it in China, which would have been one of our... Uh, one of our options, but instead we right. printed it in Canada, in Manitoba. A fine mm-hmm. printer, in fact, fine is a sort of a hallmark of their work. They do many fine art projects. A, a printer named Friesen uh, printed this book. It did not come cheaply. Uh, we retail the book for $85. Uh, it cost us uh, 40 some, 46 to print each column. So the profit margin, which we like to be greater than that, is uh, narrow and right. and 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 the way it was put out. How, we printed a thousand copies. We have about a hundred remaining. It is well, let me pretty well. Oh, go ahead. Uh, that, that's fine. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna. We're gonna take a short break now, but we'll come back and talk more about this, including the first thing when we come back is tell the listeners where they can get a copy because it really is, as you say, physically, it's just magnificent. The the paper quality and the quality of the images. And the detailed maps is just wonderful. And the big format allows you to spread out and really see these things. I'm using a music stand, a heavy-duty music stand, right now so I can have the whole thing open in front of me uh, and have the desk open. Uh, and it just it's just wonderful to look at. So we'll come back and talk about those things with our guest tonight, Michael Hill. He is one of the uh, three co-authors and project manager for the Old North State at War, the North Carolina Civil War Atlas. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking tonight with Michael Hill, co-author of The Old North State at War, the NC Civil War Atlas. It's produced by the state of North Carolina. Uh, it was a uh, sesquicentennial project, came out uh, 150 years after the war, and is not just a military atlas, not just a collection of battle maps, as, as enticing as that would be, but also includes all kinds of other things, and uh, uh, that's one of the things that I guess I want to ask right now. Uh, But, Mike, the first thing I want you to do is let listeners know where they could get a copy of this if they're interested. Sure, sure. I I referred to UNC Press. Uh, We have, since our downsizing, affiliated with UNC Press as our partner for marketing (laughs) and distribution. So all of our sales, except for a few of our shops, such as at the Museum of History or at Tryon Palace, uh, our sales are through UNC Press. So the easiest way to order is through uncpress.org, but we're available through other outlets such as Barnes & Noble and uh, uh, Amazon. Uh, and, uh, of course, some, some discount, not, not tremendous discounts, but some discount can be realized from those, those retailers. Okay. Well, I know Mark Gaffney, our webmaster, will put up a link on the impedimentsofwar.org website, and listeners will be able to click on that, and that'll take you to one of those sites, uh, one way to get get the book. So, uh, Mike, one of the things that struck me about this was how, uh, how, how challenging it is to do something as collaborative as this, that Historians, by training, are solitary workers. We tend to write single-author monographs. But you had to coordinate a lot of people, I imagine, to to pull something like this together. Yes. uh, We started with an advisory committee. I I remember all this well. In Mm -hmm. 2005, uh, we had an advisory committee meet for the specific purpose of planning this book. And it included uh, some of the... uh, major Civil War scholars in North Carolina. I think there were seven. And uh, uh, if I can remember them, oh, here, I, I see the list. Uh, if I can remember them, they, they are, they are um, uh, Mark Bradley, John David Smith, Paul Escott, Richard Starnes, Freddie Parker, Susanna Lee, and Joseph Glathar. 
those were our advise that was our advisory committee. We met initially just to talk about the book, but the year after that, we enlarged that group's um, focus to guide the sesquicentennial in general. Uh, so mm-hmm. the book uh, actually set us, it preceded the sesquicentennial by a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, the book appeared in October of 2015. So while we appeared in one of the anniversary years, we uh, it took all that effort to get it out, and it appeared in, in late 2015. Talk about the themes the the sesquicentennial project sure. came up with. Sure, I uh, I'm proud of those. I have uh, mm-hmm. I uh, thought of I thought those up. I I was the co-chair <laughs> of our staff committee to plan the sesquicentennial. My co-chair is Keith Hardison. Keith Hardison is the head of our historic sites, which mm-hmm. includes Bentonville and the CSS Noose and Fort Fisher, 27 historic sites. Keith is a very busy man, but Keith is a great um, fan of and expert on the Civil War. He used to manage the Jefferson Davis House before he came to North Carolina. At any rate, we were the co-chairs of the committee to plan the sesquicentennial. And at our first meeting, we talked about the need for uh, themes. And I uh, thought them up while I was out uh, for a walk one day. I, I tried to think of a handful, and then three themes that would appeal to the broadest possible audiences and allow us to do a variety of worthy uh, worthy projects during the uh, sesquicentennial. Uh, those, those were freedom, sacrifice, and memory. Uh, I know that it was somewhat successful. I saw some other states choose similar ones. For example, mm-hmm. West Virginia chose freedom, sacrifice, and statehood, statehood mm-hmm. being so important to their Civil War story. But... Sure. Uh, we, we, we organized the, the observance around those themes. Uh, we had a conference, major conference around each of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, had, we, we spread those conferences out. The first one was about memory in, in uh, Raleigh, and David Blight of Yale was the keynote speaker. The next I one was the Forest, and there the keynote speaker was Ira Berlin. And the last one was in uh, Wilmington and Southport. Uh, where the uh, naval historian Craig, you'll have to help me, Craig. Craig Simons. Uh, Craig Simons Craig's was the key. Simons, yeah. Yes. yes. So, so that was our, those were the, the book and the symposia were, were kind of my point of interest. Now, Keith is a big booster of public events, and our agency has long engage with the reenactors, or what they they prefer to be called as living historians, and mm-hmm. uh, a many, uh, quite a few living history events took place, including what we believe was may have been the largest gathering uh, a public history event in North Carolina. Uh, that was at Bentonville on the 150th anniversary. There were about 65 people in attendance that weekend. I, I, that is challenged, however, depending on how you define it, by the Wright brothers, uh, the Wright brothers centennial at uh, at Manio. I was out there for that, and that over the course of several days drew a hundred and over a hundred thousand, but it was spread a little bit more spread out. Mm-hmm. Well, the. Uh the effort overall was certainly successful. Those were great themes, and that was that was not an intentional softball question. I did not know those were your uh, uh, brain children, but 
obviously they were very successful and they and they they go through the book uh they they reflect again the fact that the book does not have a narrow focus you start with the uh the the geography and, and the regions of North Carolina, which uh, I, I moved to the state in what two thousand three or four, and quickly learned about the different regions of the state that every school child learns here. But uh, listeners from around the world, uh, if you get this book, you'll you'll quickly find out there are uh, North Carolina is is very geographically diverse and and not uh, and in Civil War experience likewise is completely different in the three different regions. Yeah, so there are talk? three regions, of course, the, uh, the, the uh, coastal plain, the Piedmont, and the mountains. But to my way of thinking, those correspond in some ways to uh, three uh, themes that are particular to North Carolina during the war. And those are occupation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people, well, a lot of people don't know that a, a good good portion of the state was occupied from 1862 forward as a result of Burnside's campaign. And then the other major themes that you have to study a bit to learn this uh, is divided loyalties. Divided mm-hmm. loyalties, the state was reluctant to secede, and there was a strong, very strong dissent movement during the whole course of the war, culminating in 1864. And lastly, the uh, story of the Freedmen's Colonies is one that I think has been under-recognized but inc- is now increasingly recognized. That one is relevant to three resettlement camps, uh, one on Roanoke Island. These are of former slaves, or contrabands, mm-hmm. as they were called. Uh, Roanoke Island, James City, which is adjacent to Newburn, and Freedom Hill, which is better known today as Princeville. And it's those three, divided loyalties, freedmen's colonies, and occupation, that I believe make the North Carolina story so compelling. But we also have the two major campaigns at the close of the war, uh, Sherman, Sherman's March and Stoneman's Raid. Uh, I'm, I believe the book plays out those two campaigns uh, to great advantage and in unprecedented depth. Uh, Stone, I'm from the western part of the state. I, I know mm-hmm. there's some scholarship. Chris Hartley's the author of a fine book about Stoneman's Raid. But no one had ever given a detailed, produced a detailed map of the routes. It's not the complex undertaking Stoneman's Raid, and there's a, a fine map of that in the book. But with respect to Sherman's march, and of course there is a huge literature on Sherman's campaign, Mm -hmm. we have a series of maps, uh, maybe as many as uh, 15, uh, a lot of maps that document in great detail the course of Sherman's campaign. And uh, it's down to the local road level. When Mark, our principal author and map maker, Mm -hmm. began his work on the book, he, uh, he had, the state acquired, a program called ArcView, based on GIS technology, mm-hmm. which gave him the capability to recreate 1865 road network in much detail. In fact, Mark spent 18 months doing nothing but creating the 1865 road network. He had the advantage of a post-road map, postal route map, from mm-hmm. 1865, 
and that shows every local road down to the very detail level. And so he, he created his base maps based on that and then used contemporary maps such as the Gilmer maps that are in mm-hmm. the library at Chapel Hill and other resources, the OR maps, of course. Mm-hmm. But his, um, he, he, I think he made a real contribution to the cartography of uh, the war in North Carolina, or I know he did. And I, I think that book, the book will uh, be a resource that uh, will be used for generations. And uh, what I particularly hope, where I particularly hope it finds a home is in libraries. Uh, the um, I'm, I'm happy for people to own a copy, and if you mm-hmm. any of the listeners care to be one of the owners of the last one of the last hundred copies, we have no plans to reprint it. I would encourage them to place an order. But uh, I also hope that most libraries, uh, certainly college libraries, and I hope uh, the larger public libraries have added to it, added it to their collections. Well, I'm I'm looking right now at the copy that belongs to ECU's Joiner Library. The North Carolina uh, collection has a reference copy that stays put, and this one which circulates. And I'm using it tonight. But I'm thinking, if there's only 100 copies left, I got to get my own because I want to take this when I travel around the state. And as you say, the maps are are detailed. I can look at say uh, you know Potter's Raid and, and Greenville and go, hey, I see my house. Uh, maybe not quite that level. Almost, detail, but, almost, but almost. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, even you can if see you're creeks, not, you can see small bodies of water. There, there are no overlays of modern interstates or anything else. No, no, but exactly. Railroad, these are uh, the creeks um, will guide guide you to the site. Yeah, and so even if, if uh, as they say, even if you're not from around here, uh, still, when you visit or just sitting by the fire at home looking at these. Maps, they really do recreate the campaigns in a way uh, that is unmatched. They're, they're just excellent maps, so uh, highly recommended there. But Mark is now an independent cartographer, and let me commend his talents. He's, he's mm-hmm. why he's, you can reach him on the web, uh, markandersonmore.com. Uh, he, he aims, he works particularly with Savas, uh, but he is an independent based in Raleigh who uh, markets his services particularly toward uh, Civil War historians. So if any of your listeners are producing a book that needs map, one or more maps, marks, marks your man. That's interesting. You referred also to the fact mm-hmm. that it's not just a military uh, a book. Uh, we were guided, instructed by our advisory committee. In particular, I can remember Paul Escott pressing mm-hmm. us to do this, to produce a book that had aspects that covered uh, other things, politics, demographics, economics. <laughs> and while we didn't achieve everything we wanted to, there were some questions that were very hard to uh, broach, desertion being <laughs> one of them. Uh, mm. But there is a map, there is a chart in there having to do with inflation, which I, I helped produce. And That's really it, uh, interesting. Yeah, it can't, we, what we did there... Uh, we surveyed newspapers. There was a habit in newspapers of that day to print uh, the cost, the price of commodities, generally in Monday's issue. And we, 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 my colleague of mine, spent a lot of time at microfilm readers. This is pretty much before when most of them were digitized, and so a lot of time at microfilm readers. And we surveyed about uh, eight papers across the state, 
looking at commodities, everything from flour to bacon to uh, 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 other other goods. Uh, one thing that this uh, plays out, it's produced an elaborate, an extended chart. Uh, it, it explains the bread riots. North Carolina famously had a series of bread riots, ones led by women on the home front who needed uh, food for their families and uh, literally rioted and broke into the stores in certain towns, notably Salisbury. Uh, but the price of the price of a bushel of flour uh, went up tremendously to as much as $700 at the close of the war. Of course, it's a measure of inflation during all the war, but this, if you chart it, it, it goes just sky high at the end of the war. Uh, there was not much flour to be had, and what there was, what very little there was, was uh, put toward military uses. Uh, I'm, I'm looking right now in the field. So uh, that's one one commodity that you can trace through that inflation chart. I'm, I'm looking at that chart right now. I'm seeing bacon twelve cents a pound in April 1861. A year later, it's sixteen cents. A year later, sixty nine cents. By the end of the war, it's six dollars and seventeen cents more than it is today. Yes. Uh, yeah. you know, sugar from thirteen cents in April '61 goes up to sixteen dollars fifty cents a bushel of flour. Yeah, five hundred twenty-nine dollars instead of six dollars. Uh, and from a historian's point of view, best of all, you then have the sources of all these. Uh, you list the newspapers: the Raleigh Register, Charlotte Western Democrat, where you got these numbers from. So, if I'm using this, yeah, luckily most of all today are digitized. Is, is most of your yeah. listeners, particularly professional historians, know uh, digitization of newspapers has revolutionized research. I, yes. uh, I see it more and more every day. Uh, newspapers.com, which is affiliated with Ancestry.com, has the most North Carolina papers. But there are other projects, some of which are entirely open-ended, chronicling America, Library of Congress project. I right. serve on the state board for that. Is um, is an ambitious effort to uh, digitize small, uh, the smaller size papers. Unfortunately, the ones that, for the most part, are not available to us are modern, large 20th century papers. And that's because the owners, the chains that own those papers, such as mm. McClatchy, uh, hold those papers tight because in an economically strapped um, environment, that's one of the few revenue sources they have. And... Uh, uh, but other papers are have given over the whole of their contents, their whole runs, to uh, digitizers. Uh, it's um, a, Burlington, it, it is really, example. I, 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 I read and dealt a lot with the AP reports that appeared in the Burlington paper. So we're going to take another short break now and come back in just a moment, talk more with Mike Hill. He's co-author of The Old North State at War, the North Carolina Civil War Atlas, a fascinating project. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Michael Hill, co-author of The Old North State at War, the North Carolina Civil War Atlas. You've been talking, uh, as, as befits the project itself, a wide-ranging publication that looks at military, but also political and economic and uh, other questions. Uh, we've been, been looking at all kinds of things in the book. Uh, it is filled with surprises uh, throughout. Uh, Lizzie Borden shows up, uh, for example, uh, which... Yeah, my memory is that um, a, a, a union officer on Roanoke Island uh, later played a part in the, civil, in the Lizzie Borden story. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I don't remember the whole of it, but I know the um, that's the connection. A union officer later played a role in the in the Lizzie Borden murder and trial. Yeah, he, he, I'm looking at it now. It says he testified uh, the wounds that she inflicted with her axe on her parents reminded him of the wounds he saw during the Civil War on, on Roanoke Island specifically. Yeah. So, so uh, you've got. Uh, I'm just picking out little things that leaped out at me as I looked through this. Uh, Solomon Meredith, uh, I used to work in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, the 19th Indiana, the Iron Brigade are remembered there. Uh, but he turns out to be a North Carolinian. He, he was a commander of that brigade in the Army of the Potomac, but uh, but his origins were here in uh, in the old North State. So that was interesting to me. Uh, I'm curious, what were there any stories that you particularly wanted to make sure got into the book? Uh... Oh, gosh. I, I, I would say some of the um, um, late war stories in western North Carolina, because I'm from Hendersonville, which just south mm-hmm. of Asheville, for those that don't know the state. Uh, the ta- I'm from Flat Rock. Flat Rock had its own history, known as Charleston, Little Charleston of the Mountains. Charlestonians uh, settled at Flat Rock in the 1830s. Among them, Christoph Gustavus Miminger, who was the Secretary of the Confederacy. Late in the war, there was uh, uh, some talk even of transferring the capital there. 
there are rumors, unfounded, that there's a Confederate treasury buried in Flat Rock. <laughs> but there's another story attached to Flat Rock, which is played out in some detail in David Sukunat's most recent book. David mm. is an uh, educated chapel, now teaches at Edinburgh. Uh, but his most recent book is, is about the close of the war and about... Um, um, these unusual incidents at the end of the war. And one of them in Flat Rock was when the, uh, the master of the house, invaders, came into the house, marauders, mm-hmm. and uh, they demanded to be fed, and the, uh, the owner of the house complied, and uh, they sat down to a meal. The, his daughters played a German music box and entertained these marauders while, while they, they fed. And at the close of the meal, they pulled their pistols and shot the man, uh, shot oh. the man on, at his table. And that, that story is uh, fascinating to me because it's from my hometown. And, uh, and as I say, David Silkenet's most recent book on the University of Georgia Press uh, details that at some length. Um, well, I would say that you're, the Atlas does not pull punches. Uh, you, you described the Shelton Laurel massacre in, in, in some detail, for example. Oh, yeah, Shelton Laurel, another Western North Carolina story. Uh, Philip Paladin's book, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which now, I guess, from the mid-'80s, Victims, short telling of that story. That is a, uh, that's a story that plays out the, uh, uh, the divided loyalties and also the desperate straits that people were in at the in the midst of uh, wartime, 13 men and boys shot, suspected of being Union sympathizers. Uh, Zebulon Vance, the governor, took a great interest in that that affair and uh, uh, sympathized with those who lost family members and tried to seek some legal recourse there. So as I was reading this, uh, I... I have my students in uh, the Civil War course that I teach at ECU write a term paper on a subject of their choosing. And I kept finding uh, topics that, that students have chosen over the years. Uh, Thomas Legion, for example, came up, uh, which yes. I hadn't known until the student wrote about it. But but you've got that in here, the unit of... Thomas's uh, Legion, yes. And I will commend yeah. another book that we produced. Uh, we in my office do the Civil War roster. It's a long-running mm-hmm. series now at 20 volumes. In July, the 21st volume will be issued. But volume 18 was strictly Thomas's Legion. The Civil War roster, uh, reference books, uh, collectors uh, seek them out. Uh, they are a, they're based on the compiled service records held by the National Archives, formerly available principally on film, uh, but now available digitally. Uh, it's, it's a print version of those records supplemented by other resources and a, a description of every one of the roughly 125,000 men from the state who uh, who fought in the war. And we're approaching the end of that series. We have, we've done the Legion. We soon will do the colored troops and the white Union troops and the Confederate Navy and Marines. And that will close out the series. We will have covered them all. But it won't happen quickly. Each volume takes two or three years, so uh, several more years of work planned in that series. But the Legion is covered in great detail, and the prefatory essay in that, written by my colleague Michael Coffey, is uh, a model. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's in-depth uh, research about the Legion. 
The uh, speaking of the, of the United States collared troops, that is another aspect that uh, obviously the Atlas covers. Uh, that you had North Carolina unionists, both black and white, uh, especially in the eastern part of the state, uh, really for, from fairly early in the war, forming organized yes. units and fighting. Yes, that's another uh, little understood but increasingly better known aspect of the war. There are reenactors now, particularly in Kinston, led by a man named Malcolm Beach, who uh, who portray U.S. colored troops. Uh, the book goes the, in the book. There is a great deal of detail about Wild's brigade. Uh, General Edward Wilde, in the, as a consequence of the Burnside campaign, organized some of the uh, the uh, colored troops, lightened the war, and uh, kind of conducted a, uh, a campaign, I guess you could say pacification campaign, in the northeastern counties uh, from some people's perspective, a terror campaign uh, in the uh, uh, in the in the counties around uh, Chowan. Pasquotank, Currituck, those counties. Mm-hmm. And, and that, there, was, there were, uh, there were uh, cam- campaigns to recruit for the colored troops, particularly in Newburn, which was among the most, uh, the largest uh, occupied towns. Right. We had uh, Judkin Browning has been on the show to talk about his work uh, covering the, the, the shifting loyalties, which is, I think, the name of his yes. book, uh, yes. showing how, how things changed over there. Um, yeah, you Judkins leads me to think yeah. of Beaufort. He, Judkins' book concentrates in large part on Beaufort, and we mm-hmm. have uh, we're working on a book now, not strictly a Civil War book, but Civil War is a part of the story, by your emeritus colleague William Still. Uh, oh yes, yeah. his uh, uh, forty years uh, he's worked on this project called Shipbuilding, uh, mm-hmm. Shipbuilding in North Carolina. He and a geography uh, colleague named Dick Stevenson, Richard Stevenson. They're both in their 80s now, but I have their manuscript. It's long, but we aim to uh, turn it into a book, I hope, by the end of this year. Uh, and uh, it, is a, it is a massive undertaking. Still, Williams, Bill Still is the author of a well-known book about Civil War Na- uh, Confederate Navy, and mm-hmm. uh, he retired at ECU, lived in Hawaii for several years, but has moved back to Greenville, to where his daughters live, and... Uh, and we're working with him to turn his 1,200-page, only 1,200s, 1,200 uh. pages, manuscript into a book. Well, that's always a challenge when you have the enthusiastic author. Uh, yeah, I, I know Bill, and he, he's been on this show to talk about uh, Confederate ironclads as well. Uh, as, as we start winding down, I want to get in a question that I sometimes forget to ask, but always often brings interesting answers. Uh, the Civil War time machine question. If you could go back yourself to the Civil War era in North Carolina for 30 minutes, who would you want to talk to, and what would you talk about? Oh, well, uh, sitting in Raleigh, one block away from the Capitol, and having thought a lot about the end of the war, before I worked on this atlas, about uh, 20 years ago, I worked on a little book called Sherman's Sherman's March Through North Carolina, and it was... Uh, uh, a survey of the last 90 days of the war, and I concentrated on the three weeks that troops were in Raleigh. Uh, my choice would be to talk about people in and around the Capitol at the close of the war. The, uh, that includes Governor Vance, who, who got out of town in order to avoid arrest. He ultimately was arrested and imprisoned for 90 days. But it, it would include those who invaded the Capitol, the, uh, 
Ohio soldier who stole our copy of the Bill of Rights, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, African American who handed the keys over to the uh, the troops coming to the Capitol, the ex governors uh, Swain and Graham, who went uh, aging men at that time, who surrendered the city, went uh, by rail car out of town about a mile and a half down toward Garner, and surrendered the town. It's it's those stories around the close of the war uh, that would interest me uh, the most and where I would like to uh, have been a fly on the wall or, an, or a participant or someone present to see. Uh, there was also the story of a, Texas, a Texan named Lieutenant Walsh who uh, came uh, firing his weapons and was uh, uh, arrested by the, uh, and uh, hanged. Uh, back behind where the governor's mansion presently stands. That is, he was sort of uh, ripping up and uh, and was uh, arrested and hanged by the uh, the union the union officers. And there were other places in in Raleigh at that time put to uh, use as headquarters. The uh, the grounds of Dorothea Dix was the uh, was where many of the troops uh, camped for those three weeks. So it's that story. It's that setting. Raleigh in the last three weeks. Uh, that I would most like to be able to investigate if there were a time machine. Wow, that sounds like uh, obviously a fascinating place to go. The uh, the book closes with a look at Civil War memory, which obviously is a a more contentious topic today, even than when the book came out. Uh, yes, I, I but, wrote that chapter. Uh, the chapters we divided up responsibility for the chapters, and and that one in some ways was a summary of our our four-year commemoration, and, uh, and, I, and I read that last part. And you point out, for example, at Bentonville, uh, there's a, a monument to Union soldiers uh, who fought there that was put up, I think, in 2013 or so, 2011. But uh, That's right. There, but, but there was one proposed in 1995, and uh, uh, there was, a, cont- there was a, a lot of discussion around that subject. There was a, a, a wrong impression in many quarters that we were about to erect a monument to Sherman or mm. dedicated to Sherman's troops, but our intent, rather, was just to record the presence of Union um, uh, uh, outfits on the grounds at Bentonville, something that is traditional at Civil War battlefields across the country. Uh, and that was misunderstood, and there was a, a lot of argument back and forth of pros and cons of that. And ultimately, they decided not to in 1995, but then later about five years ago, quietly a monument went up. I wonder if that doesn't point the way to uh, some resolution of the current controversy everywhere, because as you say, on a battlefield where where people actually fought uh, for whatever cause, it's not inappropriate to monumentalize them at the site of their That's uh, right. Treatments of battlefields vary. Of course, as, you, as most of your listeners will know it, at Gettysburg, and I've, I've had a hand in a couple of projects at Gettysburg, but and the monuments to the 26th and the 53rd were ones I worked on at Gettysburg back in the mm-hmm. 80s, the North Carolina units. Uh, but reenactors do not reenact on the battleground. The site of Pettigrew's, uh, the Pet- uh, Pickett-Pettigrew right. march, uh, uh, is, n- is not a site of reenactors. They reenact outside town on other fields. Um, and in North Carolina, we've always taken a different approach, and folks do reenact at Fort Fisher and Bentonville right on the, on the site of the, of the battles. Speaking of Bentonville, it's, uh, I know you're approaching the end of your time, but uh, so we're uh, the, uh, we have a, a planned North Carolina Civil War and Reconstruction Center planned at Fayetteville. 
that will uh, is in the in the uh, planning stages now. It's an ambitious sixty million dollar project, and uh, uh, I say I would encourage your listeners to follow the course of that. I, I've talked about that on the show. Uh, I, you and I have, have we've met at board meetings. We've talked about it ourselves. Uh, the recent decision to include reconstruction in the story is a huge leap forward, in my view, uh, to broaden the story and uh, uh, will will make it uh, unique in the country when when that gets created. But I'm glad you brought that up. That is a wonderful project. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much, uh, listeners. You will not be sorry. Uh, whether you're a book collector or just like good, beautiful books about the Civil War, to get a copy of the Old North State at War, the Civil War Atlas. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show. Sure. I enjoyed it, Jerry. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.